welcome to Whiskey Web and Whatnot, Advent of Whiskey Edition. This is day six, I think. Yes, day six. It's hard to keep track. We're doing a lot of episodes here. And we have Mr. Charles William Carpenter III, alongside myself, Robbie Wagner. We're going to be doing whiskeys 13 and 14 today, which are from the USA and Japan. Seems to be a common theme. Mm, well, there are certain areas of the world that tend to make a lot or almost all of the whiskeys. Yeah. Where's the South American whiskey or the, I guess, Russia, you wouldn't be able to get anything from anymore because they hate everyone. But uh, other people have to make it, right? Yeah, I think a lot of places do. I just don't know that if it gets much distribution or... That's true. I have not had a South American whiskey, though, to be fair. I'm not saying they don't have it. I have had gin that was distilled in Argentina, and it was pretty good. So... Yeah. I think a lot of places probably make it for their local population, and they don't know how it would do exported, and they don't really care. They're just like, we make it, we like it, it's fine. Yeah. All right. So let's do number 13. Tell us about 13, Chuck. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Noble Oak Rye Whiskey. So you might like this one. Let's see here. It looks like it's out of Ohio. It is matured in white oak casts and port wine staves. 48%. Um, so it's got a little, little kick to it. Nothing about the mash bill, though. So that makes a lot of sense because I was going to say that it smells a lot like an ice wine on the nose. Mm. So that port probably gives it some of that. It's like a very sweet, desserty. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. I get a little cinnamon and a little like sweet, like what kind of. It's like um, like dates or. Uh, yeah, there you go. Very so. syrupy, sweet fruit, dried fruit. Yeah. So it looks like it's matured in charred oak barrels for a year and then they add the staves. Doesn't really tell you any timeline on that, but still sounds interesting. And they plant a tree for every bottle sold. Hmm. All righty. It's very mild flavor for a rye. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get that. A little spice there. Yeah. I'm getting like some, what is that? There's like the 21 Chinese spice blend thing, but it also always ends up having like Mm. anise or something in it, right? Yeah, it's hard for me to differentiate because a lot of that is so similar and you get a lot of them together and in everything. But yeah, there's a little, yeah. Yeah, the sweetness that I smelled has gone away in the taste. So it definitely has a little like earthiness to it. And for a higher proof, it really kind of is smooth going down though. Yeah, I was going to say it's it doesn't feel high proof. It's not hitting me with any flavors. I'm just imagining like a homemade soda with like some a hmm. uh, little bit of roots of some kind, maybe some dates and like, yeah, I guess some of the spice blend of some type. I can't put my finger on what kind, but it's like a very, um, I don't know, it feels like an old school homemade drink of some kind. Yeah, like sarsaparilla. Yeah. Without any sugar in it though yet. Right. Right. Yep. Okay, well, that's interesting. But compared to a rye, where are you going to put this? Mm. I don't love it. I like a lot of ryes, and this is not mm-hmm. similar to them. So I don't think it's bad. I'm going to say five and a half. I also don't think it's bad, but I'm not sure. 
I mean, just doesn't come close to some of the ones that we've had. And I'm just going to put it at a four. Okay. A little different, kind of a little too smooth for me. Yeah. If it's a rye and I don't feel like, wow, that slapped me in the face, then it's, um, it's not a great rye. Yeah. Okay. No, number 14. Coming up next in our show, whiskey number 14. Stay tuned after these messages. I have to rate number 13 first. <sighs> okay, go for it. So this is a <laughs> Japanese one. It's Akashi, blended Japanese whiskey. Looks like they're using ex-bourbon casks and sh- uh, so- shochu casks and virgin oak casks. It's a lower proof, again, 80 proof from Japan, as mentioned. Let's see here. Do we get any ideas about time? Japanese distilling tradition, precision, honesty, and perfect seaside climate with salty air and huge temperature differences. Mm. But uh, yeah. So it's going to be salty. Yeah. Lightly peated, copper pot distilled and matured in ex-bourbon, sochu, and virgin oak casks. So we'll see. I feel like this is not going to be your favorite. I feel like everything we said. Yeah. The salty reminds me of um, the, what's it called? The wolves one we had with uh, Josh. Mm, yeah and that was like rye and then like hoppy kind of yeah but it's like neither of you thought it was salty so i feel like maybe i had a fake one or something (laughs) or you were just hungry and thirsty or something so your body is begging for more of that yeah so the smell to me is very it has kind of like a fresh cut grass smell to me Mm. i don't know where i'm making that up but it's got a little of that like sour, cabbagey, vinegary for me. Oh gosh, you have to have a cold. Yeah, it's like, like imagine you made spring rolls and then left them on the counter for a week. That's what it smells like to me. So the peat is very mild, and I do get a little like honey in the finish. In the middle, it's almost like mildewy though. Something like yeah, a little peat in the beginning, but it's not hanging out too long, so I could kind of roll with that. Easy to drink there. I'm afraid to try it. I'm just still smelling it. Be not afraid, young young man. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Not bad. I don't know. This is another one of those like watery, like not a lot of flavor. How many times can I say that I respect that? Because I don't respect that if everyone makes it like that. Right. Like just make sake if you're trying to make sake. Oh, yeah. I wonder if the sochu has any effect on, like, some of the mildness in the peat and some of the sweetness in the middle that I get, or a sweetness at right at the end I get. I wonder if that's where the honey flavor comes from. Interesting to think about. The weird mildewy stuff is, I don't know. Yeah, I think for as bad as this smells, it tastes pretty good. It's actually very balanced. There's, like, no nothing hitting me on the front or the end. Like, it's very just smooth, watery. Very mild flavor, not too smoky, not too peaty. Yeah. For a Japanese whiskey, I think I kind of like it. I think I kind of like it. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. I'm going to say five because I'm just, I can't be impressed that many times with it being watery. Like, (laughs) it's done now. Yeah. Just avoid 80 proof whiskeys in your future. I think that's the thing that we should remember. Yeah. It's just not for you. Like maybe if they mix some Everclear in with it and then put it in American oak for a bit. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine you trying to add ice to this though? Mm-mm-mm. It would just go away. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like no flavor notes. Like was there whiskey in this before and it was dirty and now I just have water? 
or like, <laughs> mm. yeah. So should we jump back into a holiday trivia? Sure. Oh, we're going to skip tech altogether? No, we'll we'll do. We can mix around. These are shorter episodes. It doesn't matter. The format is the format, bro. What were the ones that I promised we would do? Um, Some Kwanzaa ones or something? Well, I did promise that, but the two that I teased. Oh, which which is more popular for gift purchasing, Black Friday or Cyber Monday? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I'm still going Black Friday. Yep. It's Black Friday. Yeah, I think it's just everyone knows that regardless of age. Like Cyber Monday might start to be more popular, but also stuff starts sales like, you know, a month ahead of time now. Black Friday essentially starts like a week ahead of time almost for so many places will like, we're starting ours earlier. Oh, yeah, well, we're starting ours earlier than you. Well, we've started ours in Easter. (laughs) Am I remembering totally wrong or did Amazon have like a don't wait for Black Friday. Here's our sale in July or something like that. Did that happen? Yeah, they did. I thought it was just another Prime Day. Like, they now do, like, oh, maybe. three Prime Days a, mo- a year or something crazy, too. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to keep track. Yeah. All right, let's see. How many reindeer were there in the story Twas the Night Before Christmas? Okay. Um, seven? I'm going to... S- yeah, I'm going to say eight, I think. Okay. I'm trying to count. I feel like it's an odd number. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Eight. Got them. There you go. Yep. I only thought that because that would, you know, Rudolph would be at the head. And then in, in the night before Christmas, the original, like, what, golden book? Maybe there that precedes the story of Rudolph. So, mm. yeah, it says Rudolph is not in there. So, well, there you go. Interesting. True or false? Hanukkah falls on the same dates every year. True. Yeah, I'm not sure. I want to say true, but I honestly have no idea. Feels like a trick question. False. Yeah. Not the same dates. Doesn't say why. I wish it gave an explanation. You're not meant to know. My guess is because like Easter moves every year. So it's probably similar like religious calendar that changes based on. Right. Whatever. I guess, I mean, Easter is not a Jewish thing, but like... The second Wednesday. Yeah, right. The, you know, the... Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's always whatever Sunday. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I just thought because it was like 12 days of Hanukkah, though. So it's like... Right. Leading up to Christmas, I thought, but... But maybe they all start on like, yeah, like the second Monday of... Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just asking us stuff that we have no idea about and making us look dumb. Let's see. Yeah. Perfect. On Hanukkah, children are often given chocolate coins called what? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I know the chocolate coins. They're great. I didn't know they were a Hanukkah thing. Uh, let's see. Called fake money. Gelt. Gelt. Oh. Yeah. No. Yeah. How many days of Hanukkah are there? We say 12, right? Yes. Oh, it says eight. Huh. Oh, no, it is eight. No. Because it's the um the Eight Crazy Nights movie. Mm. I should know that. You just influenced me. I knew that. Uh-huh. I'm not going to say I was stupid on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently you were. You're naive and stupid and listen <laughs> to me. I'm easily influenced. There's a difference. Let's see. Okay. Which three colors... Are used in Kwanzaa. Yellow, red, and green. Okay. 
that sounds fine to me. Let's see what it says. Uh, which number? Oh, I lost it. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Nope. Black, red, and green. Two out of three. Yeah. Come on. And black's not a color. Black symbolizes the African people. Red is for the struggle. And green is for the rich land of Africa. Well. Interesting. And everybody knows black and white are not colors. They're shades. Yes. How many days of Kwanzaa are there? Maybe that's the 12. Because I had thought 12 for that. 12. Yeah, let's go 12. Okay. Nope, seven. Even less days than Hanukkah. Mm, we're good at holidays. See, this is not our fault for being dumb. This is <laughs> society's fault for not being woke enough to teach us all of these holidays. Mm. I'm going to put it on society, not on me. It shouldn't be on me to go look it up. It should be on the Today Show to tell me about these holidays. Oh, you watch that? Well, yeah. We like Al Roker. That's why we watch it. Okay, fair enough. No, I don't know. I'm... I didn't even know he was still alive. Good for Al. Yeah, he uh, he maybe won't be soon. <laughs> he's been sick for a long time. Like, I don't know if he's back. We haven't watched the news in probably a month. But for a while, he was just like, he's not there. He's not there. So something major happened. Mm. Womp womp. Um, let's see. Okay, you didn't open your secret compartment, by the way. Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. There is a secret compartment after... Or no, we skipped it. Yeah. After th between 13 and 14. It's a secret chest and you skipped it. Is it a Bitcoin? Oh, yes. Nope. It's not worth anything. It's a coaster. Shouldn't they give you the coaster in the beginning yeah, to put your glass on? Yeah, you would think. Maybe they do say that in the instructions that we didn't read. Like open the secret chest first too? I don't know. Yeah. Here's the thing. Just, you know, it is a Bitcoin and pay your $8. <laughs> So we've talked a lot about State of JS, and we were briefly discussing front-end frameworks and perhaps some predictions. It's in progress at this point, so we don't have results as of yet. And uh, let's just talk about, I don't know, what do we think is going on in the front-end framework space and yeah. any potential predictions? Will Ember still be in last place or will it be in no place? I don't know. I mean, I've heard about JavaScript. I think that's going to be popular. Mm. <laughs> no, I think uh, I've seen things on Twitter, which I'm thinking will be the trend. People have been posting screenshots of like basically React is like, you know, steadily ramping up in downloads. And then like they show Svelte and maybe Vue is the other one alongside it. And they're like, the, the line doesn't even jump because it's zoomed out to see like reacts exponential growth. And then like within the last, I don't know, I don't know what the time frame is, but recently Svelte and view have like gone to the same number of downloads as react. Mm. So it's like saying that react is not necessarily going down yet, but like because of all the interest in these other things, you would think it will start to go down. So my prediction is like, I forget the exact wording of the things they have, but it's basically like, have you heard of React or have you used it before? And then it's like, if you have used it before, would you use it again? Like, are you happy with it or whatever? Mm, the retention number, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking that a lot of people will say, I have used React, you know, I'm fine to use it again. But like basically not indicating excitement 
around React as much. I think the things that are exciting, yeah. which is a separate question on here, they call them, I think, rendering frameworks, mm. which is like Next.js, Nuxt. I think we call them meta frameworks, like Astro is kind of, I don't know what the real terminology is, but. They called it backend frameworks for whatever reason, because like, I guess it was doing build time, potential server-side render, that, that kind of stuff. I think those are the things that make React exciting. Like I've seen a lot of good things about Remix and people being excited about that. We know Next.js is popular. Yeah, Vercel is a juggernaut in that space. Anyway, back to kind of the original point, I guess. I think in terms of the base frameworks, not necessarily with all of the bells and whistles piled on top, I think Svelte is going to be the number one going forward because... Hmm. It's very similar to things like Astro, where it kind of gets rid of everything. There's not like a huge runtime. It's just kind of using the browser APIs, and it has like maybe a little bit of sugar. Sometimes it'll ship a little JS if it really needs to. That feels like the right way to do things to me. Like, let's write HTML like normal HTML, and then sprinkle in some stuff, and like not as JSXy and like. You know, I think that's the future of like teach everyone vanilla HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and then show how do we improve that? Not, okay, here's a totally different language and like whatever, you know? Yeah, like potentially a world where Next.js can use a different rendering layer there or something, right? Like Svelte plugs in in the way that it can with Astro or. Yeah. 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 I mean, to be fair, Svelte also does things that are like not quote unquote valid JavaScript. Yeah. I think it's only a couple of things, but it's, it just feels like, I feel like JSX and React don't feel like buddies. It's like a thing you have to use to use React, but it's like, Mm. it wasn't written. I mean, it was, it was written for React, but it's like, it doesn't feel that way. You know what I mean? Like, whereas Svelte's syntax feels, I guess because Rich Harris probably did most of it. It like just feels like it works together. Mm. I don't know. I think that's going to be the thing is like having a specific templating language kind of, I forget the terminology that you call it, but it's like, like React was trying to not do that by having JSX as like it's JavaScript, mm. but like having a, you know, normal templates kind of thing where you can kind of write HTML is kind of where I think we're going. So do you think this is going to be the year that um, we finally see Shepard JS and the other tools tab? What are the other libraries? Other tools? Yeah, they have like, yeah. Oh, I don't know. They had like jQuery and uh, RxJS and Moment. They don't have any other tour libraries, do they? No, no. Underscore.js, Luxon, Ramda, never, I don't know. Yeah, I saw a... uh, a tweet from uh, West Boss. It was something to the effect of like the, it was listing most downloaded JavaScript packages or something. And like React was on there, but right above it was like Al Carousel or something. And it was like, guys, why are we learning React? The money is in Al Carousel. What are you <laughs> doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's It's a weird thing where like the things that get the hype and feel quote unquote sexy or like different than the things that might actually be being used to build 50% or more of apps in the real world. So I don't know. Mm. 
Food for thought. If we can make the other tab in podcasts, I'll be impressed. Yeah, I would like to make the podcast tab by next year. So I didn't remind everyone in the last episode. Messed up. So if you listen to this one and not the last one for some reason, go to State of JS and write in Whiskey Web and Whatnot as your favorite podcast. Don't rate us based on these last few episodes you may have heard because they are not planned out and whiskey fueled, but hopefully you still like them. Yeah. I mean, some people, that's their favorite part. They're like, will you stop talking about the other gibberish? We don't care. We're going to use React and Robbie's wrong. (laughs) And uh, we just want to hear you make jokes and rate whiskey and talk about the World Cup. That's really, that's what most people want. Yeah. Have any games happened since we last spoke? I don't know how often they are. Yep. Today, there was a shock upset where Morocco eliminated Spain on penalties. That was everybody's favorite. And um, the port, I believe, Portugal, they beat Switzerland. So, yeah, there were two games today. Mm. And uh, those two things. So Portugal goes through and Morocco goes through to to the round of eight. Going to be some interesting stuff. It's heating up. Nice. Yeah. In the realm of American football, I am happy that TCU made the playoffs. I was worried they lost their last game. And uh, everyone thought they wouldn't make it because of that. But Texas Central University or... It might be Christian. I'm not sure. One or the other. Mm. They're always pretty decent at football. And then, like, usually get the shaft, like, trying to get into the playoffs because they're not that popular, I guess. Like, Ohio State makes it in, even if they've lost, like, 18 games, even though they don't play 18 games. Mm. Like, they could be negative 10 wins, and they're like, oh, you're still good. And is that like based on votes or something? It's not based on performance. There's a committee and the committee is heavily like people like Ohio state and Alabama and uh, Georgia and Michigan's been pretty popular recently. They were in last year. They're in this year. Kelly is happy about that because Georgia and Michigan are her teams. Kelly Vaughn. Ah, I see. Yes. Very cool. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that seems like pretty random. Like, why do people like that? They're like, oh, you can get in even if you don't deserve to. And there's like 50 bowl games all the time. And so, yeah, what even matters? It's just about creating additional TV revenue, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They used to, I think, just like crown a champion by who, like if you went like 13 and 0 and were like ranked number one or whatever, like you were basically Mm. the champion. You didn't play in a championship. But starting next year, I think, or the year after, I forget when it starts, there's a 12-team playoff. So it's, like, actually legit. Like, you can have some teams that didn't win every single game or that aren't the most popular come in and just beat the shit out of another team and go, like, hey, look, we're actually good. Like, make it more fair instead of just the popularity contest of, oh, four teams. We'll just pick four, and, like, they get to go. They always get to go no matter what, and maybe every once in a while we'll give someone hope. Yeah. The fun thing is going to be Georgia is going to beat Ohio State like 74 to 12 is like like score I think we're going to get, which I'm going to love. I love to watch them lose. Yeah, that's really like that's what, what you're in it for. Mm-hmm. Because so like as a Virginia Tech graduate and fan, 
we have been terrible at football for a long time now. We were good, like when Michael Vick was there, and then he fought a bunch of dogs and <laughs> like is not a cool guy anymore. But you know, he was good when he was there. And after that, we've just been getting steadily worse and worse. So we go from like 12 wins a season to 10 wins a season to eight wins a season to this year we won two games. But we have a new coach. It's a building year. So, hmm. so since we are not good, I like to root for teams I want to lose. And that's the satisfaction I get of like watching the other teams that I want to lose, lose. That's what's fun. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. I get that. There's definitely some teams that I'm like pleased they have lost. So like actually Spain going out because they just had like such a dominant team in the World Cup and the Euros for so long. So I just like when big teams that people expect to do well kind of don't. Yep. Same. Except for, I don't know, I like Georgia for some reason. Because it to me, it's different when like you're actually good. Like everyone on your team is very, very athletic and huge and great at what they do versus you don't play a lot of people. So you're like overrated because you don't play any hard teams and people just like you because they do. For Like I think a lot of their graduates are like high profile people. So it's like. I don't know. They like them for whatever reason, but they're not actually that good. So I I get more mad at those where it's like <laughs> they're always in the top five just because they are, not because they're good versus the people that are like actually really, really good. Then I don't hate them as much. See, and this is why European football is better because you play 38 games through your season and it's like you got to be able to do it week in and week out like they'll say a rainy day, a rainy Monday in Stoke, you've got to get the points and you can't just like have a tournament run. Or you can't have a popularity contest. Like this is a team that really has to be able to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. So there's like, there's no committees or selections. It's just who did the best. Yeah, exactly. The top of the table wins the title. The bottom three of the table go down the level and then have to fight to get back up. And then they can go down again and have to fight to get back up season after season. So I do like that. I think that would be helpful to American football of like, like Virginia Tech, for instance, is in, I forget all the terminology, but like whatever the big teams conferences are. Yeah. Well, it's not a conference. It's like a like the FBS in general, I guess. There's like teams that aren't in like those main conferences that are like JMU and like Liberty, like smaller Virginia schools are like not in that like level. They should drop teams doing worse down to that. Like you're going to play Liberty and, and JMU and, and all these other like smaller schools because you did terrible. And that would light a fire under the team to like every game would be important. Yeah. Whereas like right now they they think they're good and they play a team like that and they lose like 50 to zero because they're like, Oh, I wasn't trying because I thought they weren't good. And like, it's stupid. Mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm saying words that probably make no sense and we're over time. So <laughs> you start to lose me in some of this, but I think I understand what you mean. Like conferences designated by actual, like you could have like the premier conference and those are the best teams that have earned spots in that conference and they can lose and gain spots. I would love that. Yeah, I, I think that works everywhere. But uh, all right, we're out of time. We will do all the rest of these whiskeys. Uh, we'll keep going. Tomorrow you'll have another one. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll do a little more research for the next one and we'll have some uh, some better topics. And maybe we'll continue holiday trivia. I have a few more questions. So. Lessons learned. Yeah, catch you then. 
Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating and maybe a review as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.